Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is World's Greatest Con. I'm Brian Brushwood. As best I could tell, there are three things every con needs. You gotta have a plan or skill. When we took on Hitler, we saw that. Months of planning, years of idea development, every possibility accounted for. You gotta have the opportunity, the right window. For Dan Enright, it was having his show for NBC. The most important part, the part where we get the word con, is confidence. The confidence to reach for that brass ring. And I'm pretty sure this scales at all levels. For example, here's a con that you maybe unwittingly or wittingly have pulled off yourself. It's you and your buddies. You're out at lunch. There's an awful lot of you. The bill comes. Are we going to split it? How are we going to split it? Usually nobody wants to think about this. But if you're a responsible adult, somebody takes charge. Goes through who had the steak, who had the coffee, who had the nachos, who had the shrimp, who had the ramen. I don't know what restaurant this is. It's got to be Major Panda's Steak Grill and Taqueria. As you go through everything, eventually you realize that the stack of cash you have is significantly more than the tab. So you decide that your job is done. And whoopsie doodle, wouldn't you know it, there's so much there, including tip, that you don't need to pay for your lunch. Not a very good scam. Not a very hard con. Didn't require a lot of skill or a lot of planning, but it did take confidence and the opportunity. If you've ever found yourself in this situation, you might not think of it this way, but you've just taken part in the most popular scam in the world called the short change and once it gets weaponized it is brutal when i was 17 years old i was working a cash register at a movie theater in walks a couple in between the two features nobody's around we're busy popping popcorn or what have you the pair splits us up one of them walks all the way down to the end of the aisle and says i want to hear about these candies over here So the person working with me goes down and explains the difference between Whoppers and Milk Duds. Meanwhile, the guy talking to me says, oh, man, I'm going to get a small soda and I got to get ready for a big poker game tonight. I'll tell you what, I I just need some change. I need a lot of ones. And he starts dropping $20 bills on the counter. And then all of a sudden he has a bunch of ones and I've got fives. And no, no, no. Did he say fives? No, no. He's got too many fives. He needs. You know what? Actually, let's go back. Let's get more of those 20s now. And at some point, something just didn't feel right. It felt like the polished cadence of a magic trick. But he had the authority. One might say the confidence to assure me that everything was above board. And it wasn't until after they left that I realized, I think we just got robbed. Sure enough, we counted the till, $50 down, and a lesson I remember to this very day. The short change con boils down to staying one step ahead in the math till eventually the other side gets just enough confused that you're able to reset their expectations with you secretly coming out ahead. Opportunity, skill in a plan, confidence. They had all three. I was the perfect opportunity. 17-year-old kid, alone at a cash register, 
him, an experienced pro, the right skill, the right plan, the right opportunity, and a boatload of confidence. Those have been the three key ingredients with every con we've talked about so far. But what happens to the story when only two of those three show up? What if our would-be con men have all the confidence they need and they have a golden opportunity? And what if they put, let's say, approximately zero effort into a plan or their skill? Heck, let's go even stupider. Let's make this half-baked idea be for the equivalent of two and a half million dollars of today's money. It's 2001. A respected army major still in the service is going to decide on a lark to try to defraud who wants to be a millionaire. Their plan is going to be the dumbest thing you've ever heard. And the worst part of all is they're going to pull it off. Cons don't fool us because we're stupid. And I'm not going to lie, it doesn't take a lot of brains to see through this one. But they do fool us because we're human. When it comes to confidence, and I mean only confidence, I have to admit, this may be the world's greatest con. Look, man, if you're in the business of doing YouTube and TV stuff, your face is your moneymaker. Guess what? If you exist in society, your face is your moneymaker. Take care of your face. Have good skin. Go and visit our friends over at Geology. Geology is a nine-time award-winning men's skincare company recognized in Men's Health, Esquire, and Ask Men Grooming Awards. They got 5,000-plus five-star reviews. People love this stuff. Geology puts together a simple, effective skincare routine customized just for you with ingredients that are proven to work and formulated to use every single day. Their skincare is built around just a handful of powerful, proven ingredients, stuff that has been trusted by dermatologists for decades. Real ingredients like retinol, niacinamide, and kojic acid. They don't do dandelion root extract or sage leaf oil. They'll leave that to the other jokers. Geology is one of the only men's skincare companies to have retinol as an active ingredient in their products. That means they can help you fight acne, reduce oiliness, prevent wrinkles, combat dark or puffy under eyes. And the best part is to get started, you take a simple 30 second quiz. You say exactly what your concerns are. Mine, sometimes I get a little bit shiny. I always need to put powder on my face. I worry about getting all wrinkly so I look too old. Then they put together a personalized skincare regimen just for you. Take care of your face. It's your moneymaker. Skincare is a science. Take the guesswork out of it. You don't want to be gambling. And don't be fooled by the marketing fluff and a list of ingredients like papaya extract from Peru. Spoiler alert, those are fancy marketing words. We're only talking ingredients that actually make a difference on your skin. Start off with a five-piece trial set valued at 50 bucks by heading on over to geology.com slash greatest con. Geology.com slash greatest con. That's G-E-O-L-O-G-I-E dot com slash greatest con. You'll be keeping us in business. You'll be keeping your moneymaker looking good. And most importantly, you'll be taking the guesswork out of the voodoo of skincare. Start with a 30-day trial of all five products. Twice everyday face wash, vital morning face cream, repeating night cream, and nourishing eye cream. You get two bottles of the face wash, so you can have one in your bag, one in the shower. When you fall in love, continue with 90-day supplies of all the products you dig the most. Subscribe and save, or just go a la carte. You're in total control. That's 50% off your 30-day trial at geology.com slash greatest con. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? 
For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Regis Philbin here from Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Hi. We've got uh, your son, John. Uh, if you're old enough, you already know this. But if well. you're too young to remember, there's no way to overstate just what a phenomenon Who Wants to Be a Millionaire was. Started in 1998 on ITV in the United Kingdom. They had the brilliant idea of taking a game show and putting it right in prime time with huge stakes, big money, big risks. And the presentation was first class all the way. The music, the heartbeat, the tension. I remember watching it when it launched in 99 in America. The first million dollar winner did this amazing stunt where he wasted one of his lifelines just to call his dad. Uh, hi, dad. Hi. Uh, and I really need your help. I just wanted to let you know that I'm going to win the million dollars. <laughs> People all staring at the center of the universe. The whole world would hold its breath when it watched Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. And I do mean the whole world would hold its breath because this thing spread to every local area with their own version of it. In fact, the movie Slumdog Millionaire was about the Indian version and went on to win an Oscar. There's something about that primal tension about somebody putting it all on the line for real stakes and a life-changing amount of money. The polish, the sizzle, the joy, the despair. It had everything. The right Coronation Street is sponsored by Cadbury Heroes. God, why do nuns have such awful music when you're on hold? Fancy winning a million quid? To enter our competition, call in, answer a question, and you could be on your way to becoming a millionaire. Stay tuned to ITV. Unlike programs in the United States, England had spent most of the TV era forced to limit its cash prizes for contestants in a direct response to the quiz show scandals that had overtaken the U.S. back in the 1950s. Until 1993... The maximum amount of money by law a game show could give away each week was 3,200 pounds. But when those rules disappeared in the aftermath of the Thatcher administration, all gloves were off. And in 1998, Millionaire would become one of the most watched game shows of all time. The idea was so simple. Take the classic idea of a British pub quiz. Make them as high stakes as possible. Now, of course, game shows exactly like this have been done before. But what Millionaire had was a new sense of excitement. Scale you couldn't imagine. It wasn't just answering trivia questions to win money. You had hard choices to make. Do you use one of your lifelines on an early question that has you stumped? risking looking like a total fool or do you make a guess and just hope for the best possibly looking like a bigger fool do you continue onwards up the ladder for extra money do you play it safe and walk away with a handful of earnings these kind of conflicts had 20 million people watching every broadcast of this show watching every contestant make life-changing decisions in the matter of one hour They could go home a changed person or return without a single extra cent in their pockets, which has to sting even more in the UK because their their pennies are huge. Some of the show's subtler touches were, to be honest, a stroke of genius. The background music sounding like the pulse of a heartbeat, adding tension and stress to every moment of quiet consideration. Putting it on the air every single night helped it grow an audience in no time flat. 
Eventually, Millionaire had become as big as football matches. That's right, I said football, not soccer, because I'm watching my Ted Lasso. Everyone was at home making sure to watch so they could catch up around the water cooler the very next day. And even getting on the show took more than you'd think. Once you made it into the cast, a fate accomplished by calling a hotline at just the right moment, you'd need to win your shot to sit across from host Chris Tarrant by answering a Fastest Fingers first question. You could put the answers in the correct order, you earned your chance to play. In three years on the air, the show had only produced two millionaire winners out of its thousands of applicants. I mean, think about the pressure, the greed, the ambition it would take to become that third millionaire winner. All of that money, real money. Also, we're talking British pounds, not cheap American dollars. And it's sitting right there under bright lights and a watchful eye. But if you were smart and you were careful, you could get in. You could grab what you want and get out scot-free. It was the ultimate opportunity to hit it big. All right, I want you to picture somebody named Charles Ingram. And he looks just like your stereotypical dad. He's got a soft complexion, an ever so doughy body, goofy demeanor about himself. You could imagine him booking a vacation at Disney World, taking his kids out for ice cream during the summer. The most attention he'll ever garner in his whole life is when he embarrasses one of his daughters before a school dance. Charles hadn't even heard of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire until his family became obsessed with it. It wasn't until he decided to go on the show himself, decided to try his best to walk out a bit richer than ever before, that he'd really paid it any attention at all. With the structure of millionaire, you could earn a decent amount and then just stop. Call it there. No one's going to question anything. Nobody's going to look at you any different than any other contestant. But here's the thing. Charles had seen people play the game. Five months earlier, his wife Diana manages to get on stage first. She does it because her brother Adrian, who is a self-professed expert in getting on that show, manages to appear four times as a player before he lands himself in the hot seat, shares the secrets with his sister. So Diana came to play. Her brother made it deep in the game before falling back to the final safety net, of 32,000 pounds, which, yes, is a lot of money, but it ain't no million. And if you played it just a little bit smarter, worked a little bit harder, you might have just gotten Diana Ingram in 5.38 seconds. Hey, Diana, the wife, considers herself a little bit smarter. In a classic case of sibling rivalry, she sees it as it's going to be easy to reach and surpass her brother's winning. 32,000 pounds was a hard number to reach, but far from impossible. Loads of contestants had appeared on the show over the last three years, coming in, making some money, going home. I figure when she walks in, she's thinking, okay, maybe I won't be the third person ever on the show to win the jackpot, but when it comes to making some extra dough for the family, she knew she could do it. So yes, her brother is a rival to be, but more importantly, he's a coach helping her every step of the way. He had a natural talent for getting people on the show, and Diana was going to be his first test subject. Crucially, she wouldn't be his last. So it's April 9th, 2001, and Diana makes her first appearance on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. She comes across as just so earnest in her attempt. She's smiling, looking hopeful, just thrilled to be on the show, just to get a chance to win some cash. Low stakes, right? Beat her brother's total, that's it. She won't leave the stage quite so chipper, though. Despite all the advice of her rival-slash-coach-slash-brother, Diana makes a lot of mistakes on the show. 
came here hoping for £32,000. You just won £32,000. She uses a lifeline when she says she already knows the answer. The kind of thing only a rookie or somebody under an immense amount of pressure would do. Later in the game, she totally forgets that she has a remaining lifeline. You had £32,000. You kept back one lifeline. You desperately wanted to beat your brother. You stayed in exactly the same place as your brother. You're still on £32,000. She drops back down to the £32,000 safety net. I know, we're not going to boo-hoo for her. £32,000 is a lot. But... She doesn't get to beat her brother. That happiness, that sense of joy that she wore for the cameras, it's gone now. Replaced with a more solemn look. I guess as solemn as anybody getting a check for 32,000 pounds can look. It's easy to read it as sadness or frustration, but knowing what we know now, I think she's just pissed. I think she wanted to beat her brother, and she didn't. She feels like it's over. Or is it? Maybe it's that sense of sibling rivalry. Maybe it's feeling like she didn't get what was hers. But the Ingrams now have a motivation, a sense of desperation to get some cash. Diana didn't get what she wanted out of Millionaire to beat her brother. But damn it, her husband hasn't played yet. She knows how to get him on the show, and by the ghost of Winston Churchill, he's going on that show. And that's exactly what happens. So the Ingrams hear the siren song calling to them. Charles starts calling the hotline each and every day, but unlike so much of the country at home, Charles didn't have who wants to be a millionaire fever. It was just a thing that could maybe make him 32,000 pounds. His wife got it. His brother-in-law did. Free money, basically. Had two players right in the palm of his hand to train him. What's to lose by trying? I mean, if you have the expertise and the experience to score some free money, why wouldn't you? Doesn't look too tricky, does it? But let's see. Uh, Let's check the right order first and foremost. And the right order, fairly obviously, is death on the Nile, right? Uh, who was fastest? Charles Ingram in 3.97. Three, three That's so fast. Hello, <laughs> Charles. What about a million pounds? Is the Pope Catholic? <laughs> 15 questions, three lifelines. He gives me all 15 correct answers. He wins one million pounds. Let's play Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Perhaps by luck. Perhaps by the grace of Loki, Charles manages to get himself in the hot seat for his first appearance on the show, scoring the third and final slot during the September 9th taping. He's sitting across from the host, Chris Tarrant, who, as usual, seems absolutely thrilled to have somebody new on the show. For the first five questions of the show, it actually looks like Charles has this. He answers each one pretty quickly and, more importantly, correctly. He's a bit goofy, a little aloof, but generally, solid candidate so far. He's doing well. Until the 2,000-pound question. This is the first stumper of the night. Far from the last. Too much knowledge. I bet you know this one. In Coronation Street... Who is... I bet you don't. Who is... When have you last seen Coronation Street? I've never watched it. I mean, I've seen it sort of in the Just telly been on for 40 bit. years. I know. Sorry. OK, no, no, have a look at it. Have a look at it. <laughs> Work out what you want to do. In Coronation Street, who is Audrey's daughter? Janice. Gail. Linda. Sally. I really haven't got a Scoobies. Question six focused on Coronation Street, an immensely long-running soap opera that came up on Millionaire more often than you'd expect. Could be a coincidence that both shows aired on ITV, but I doubt it. By the way, notice how he just says he doesn't have a clue and stops talking? That's important. File that away. We're going to come back to it later. Unfortunately, Charles ain't seen Coronation Street, so when Chris Tarrant asks him to identify the name of Audrey's daughter on the show, he's stumped. This is one of those questions that's straight up simple for any daytime TV fan to answer. 
but it's not Charles's bag, so he doesn't know it. And without that knowledge, he burns his first lifeline, asking the audience to help him out. Question six is not supposed to trip you up, but thankfully, 89% of the respondents choose B. So he runs with it, and it's on to the 4,000-pound question, which also is not in his wheelhouse. The River Foyle is found in which part of the United Kingdom? England, Scotland, Northern Ireland, Wales. The River Foyle. England, Scotland, Northern Ireland, Wales. It's worth £4,000. Tarrant asks Charles to identify the part of the UK where the River Foyle is found. The major out of his depth again. For the second question in a row, burns a lifeline. This time he phones his friend Gerald, who luckily gives him the right answer, Ireland. He's officially cracked 4,000 pounds as day one comes to a close. Okay, Charles, we got... God, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, no. Gotta come back tomorrow. Yep, that's the great news, Charles. You're coming back tomorrow. You <laughs> The buzzer sounds. Filming's over for the day. Charles's run will resume tomorrow. Place yourself in that car on that long drive back home after that first disappointing day. After that awful performance. After two burnt lifelines. And imagine the conversations this couple is having. A third attempt to score big, and it looks like a disaster. I want to be very careful here to separate what is definitely known versus what I would imagine. What is definitely known is that during that ride home, two calls were placed to Tequin Wittick, a friend that they had met who was scheduled to play the next day. We also know that a third phone call to Tequin happened the following morning. I can't speak for any of the actual humans involved in this case, because I was not there. But as a certain Heisman Trophy winner said, if I did it, it seems like maybe that would be a good time to throw together a little bit of an insurance policy. Is that vague enough that I won't get sued? And let me be clear, this is what I would do if, if I were wanting to I, I should stop talking. I'm just saying uh, I would take action. I would be prepared with a plan. It would be such a simple code that everybody could remember their part even under the intense pressure of performing live. Charles's job, whenever he didn't know the answer, say all four options. Diana and Tequin, when you hear the correct answer and you can tell Charles doesn't know the answer, cough on the right answer. Not exactly the Enigma machine here, but under pressure, hard to screw up, you would think. Look, I've already poked fun at this and I'm going to continue to poke fun at this, but there is a real kernel of truth here. There's an experience that I'm going to say it's unique to magicians. It's probably not. People eventually ask me, how does so-and-so famous magician do famous magic trick? And I always respond with the very simple scenario. I say, let's pretend that in one hour, you know that cameras are going to show up and you have to replicate that exact feat. How would you do it? There's usually a very short pause. And then whatever comes out of their mouth next is without fail the exact method that the magician used. Followed by the words, that would be stupid. The moment I hear the words, but that would be stupid, I know they've landed it. In movies and stories and TV shows, we love the complicated cons. We love a million moving pieces. But the reality is it doesn't work that way. Those are the outliers. And so, with whatever happened between that ride home and when they show up at the studio the next day, Charles is ready to return to the hot seat. 
even brags to the host that he has a new strategy to do better. I know you're itching to get up a bit further. Let's have a look at question number eight. You've got a 50-50. This would bring you £8,000 if you gave me the right answer. Here it is. Who was the second husband of Jacqueline Kennedy? Who was the second husband of Jacqueline Kennedy? Adnan Khashoggi. Ronald Reagan. Aristotle Anassis. Rupert Murdoch. We're back in business. He's got two friends sitting in the studio with him. He has his wife, Diana, of course. Without her, Charles wouldn't be on TV right now. But he also has a friend in Tequin Wittick, the man Diana had spoken with on the phone. Tequin wants Charles to win, too. And he is about to announce his presence to anybody paying any kind of attention. Right, okay. Um, I'm not certain. I would have thought... I would have thought that it would be Aristotle Anassis. Why? There. Did you hear it? Well, Ronald... Listen again. I would have thought that it would be Aristotle Anassis. Yes, that was a cough. Yes, that was Tequan Wittick. And yes, it happened to be during the correct answer of the first question of taping for the day. Note also that Charles doesn't just stop when he says he doesn't know something. Instead, he starts listing all the possible options. I mean, that's no big deal, right? Coughs happen all the time during live television tapings. On its own, in a vacuum, there's nothing inherently suspicious about a single cough. This is the first cough picked up by 21 microphones scattered around the studio the first of 192 coughs detected in the studio that night the first of 32 coughs detected from the panel of potential contestants waiting patiently for their shot at the show and most importantly it's the first of 19 coughs that a prosecutor would later allege in court were produced by Tequin Wittick If you want to hear the sound of a conspiracy, if you want to hear the sound of a good man doing wrong, if you want to hear the sound of money being stolen, listen in as Charles guesses his way into the correct answer. Oh, you've got a sub-strategy as well. Okay. So I'll just rethink this one for a moment. I'm I'm, I'm pretty confident it's Aristotle and (laughs) Asses. Yeah, I'm going to go for Aristotle and Asses. You're a wild and crazy man, Major. <laughs> he works his way around the board, explaining every single answer, why it's right, why it's wrong. And as he restates his answer just before locking it in, there's a cough in the middle of an exceptionally long pause. For some reason, nobody notices, and yet... <laughs> it's the right answer. You got eight thousand pounds. Just like that, you're on to question nine. This time, it's a question about cheese, of all things. Now, it's worth noting here that Charles, more than ever, seems calm and collected. He's not the terrified man that the crowd saw the night before. He's methodically working his way around every question in a way that nobody can quite comprehend. Even when he feigns doubt, it's just that, a pretense. However, there is something different about this question than the last one. In fact, this is the most unique question of the night because this is the last time Charles will answer a question without somebody coughing in the background. Because Charles knows this answer. Emmental is a cheese from which country? France, Italy, Netherlands, Switzerland. He says he'd like to go for Switzerland, but he's on the counterattack. He needs to think this through. And he really, really leans into the doubt on this one. Uh, Well, maybe it's the Netherlands. Right. (laughs) Yes. That's sort of how the question works, Charles. He considers every possible answer to the amusement of the audience before finding his way back to Switzerland. Sure, it's Switzerland. I'll, I'll go to Switzerland. Yeah, Switzerland. Final answer. Yeah, final answer. 
I don't know what your strategy and sub-strategy is, but it's working. You've just got £16,000. I mean, what could he say? Dude knows his cheese. This far into the taping, it's too early for anybody in production to notice that there was no cough on the second one. With only two points of data, there's no pattern to establish. And the fact that this one question doesn't have a cough is going to do nothing to help Charles eventually prove his innocence. Next up is the big one, 32,000 pounds. It's the amount of money both his wife and his brother-in-law came home with, and it's the final safety net offered for the rest of the game. Charles needs this question more than any. It's the difference between going home with a thousand pounds and going home with at least 32 times as much. Who had a hit UK album with Born to Do It, released in 2000? Coldplay, Top Loader, A1, Craig David. It's another cultural question. And we know these aren't Ingram's strong suit. Charles almost bombed on Coronation Street just the night before. And just like before, Charles starts his strategy, working his way around the board. He reads off all four answers and... Because you would lose 15 if you gave me a wrong answer. I think, I think, I think it's A1. You got a 50-50. Craig David, I just can't. I don't think I've, I've never heard of Craig David, to be honest. It's quite well <laughs> Is that simple? Um, Coldplay I've never heard of. And Top Loader is a, well, it's part of a rifle, so I don't think it's that. Uh, it's also a Brazier. Is it? All oh, right, well, thank you for that. <laughs> I wouldn't know. You know. Uh, nothing. So I think I'll, um, sadly... Wait, I'll... nothing? No, that can't be right. No. There's no cough here. And this time, Charles legitimately does not know the answer. That's not speculation. That's a fact. And as the camera cuts to Diana, you can see she's no longer the smiling, supportive wife in the audience. She looks off camera, looking directly at Tekwin Wittick. There's no cough. I know what you're saying. You promised that every answer would have coughs. And hey, we're not quite done yet. Charles sees this as good a time as any to finally activate his last lifeline. As two of the answers fall away, he's left with two choices. A1, which he's been dancing around the entire time for a potentially correct answer, and Craig David, whom he's already said he ain't never heard of. So let me spoil it for you. The correct answer is Craig David. Charles has already dug himself into a bit of a hole. A1, A1 or Craig David. Finally, there is a cough. And this time it's not from Tekwin, it's from Diana. She's on camera being filmed throughout the entire show for her reactions. And she's just been caught coughing right after Craig David is said out loud. And just like that, after all of this buildup, his lifeline, his ignorance of Craig David, he switches at the last possible moment. Craig David, locked in answer. 32,000 pounds in the bag. A year and a half later, Charles would talk about how he changed his answer after hearing gasps from the crowd when he initially chose A1 as his answer. But no matter how hard I listened to that tape, all I hear is Diana's cough surrounding Craig yeah, David's name. Percent of the time, I'm wrong when I guess. So, now I'll go Craig David. <laughs> yeah. Final answer. I'm going to guess Craig David. Final answer. Final answer. We'll take a break. Join us again oh, in a couple of minutes. The second part of tonight. Who wants to be a millionaire? Double the savings on this classic leather sofa. World's Greatest Con is brought to you by Blinkist. You know what they do. They take big ideas, big books, and condense them down into bite-sized chunks so that you can make the changes to your life to be a better person. This year, they want to empower people to grow personally and professionally by discovering content that inspires, motivates, and gives you new perspectives on your lives and into the world of 2022. 
With their new initiative, 22 Ideas for 2022, they want to focus on how Blinkist content can incredibly impact all of our lives. Me personally, I love the works of Ryan Holiday. His books, Ego is the Enemy, The Obstacle is the Way, introduced me to stoicism and the importance of making it through rough times. And it was really a treat to go back and re-experience the blinks of these. 13 minutes got me a refresher course on an entire book. And they have so many different titles. A Short History of Nearly Everything, Origin Story, A Brief History of Everyone Who Ever Lived. All of these are going to make you better, and they're all written to be easy to digest. So jump right in, give it a free seven-day trial, and when you do sign up for the service, you'll get 25% off a Blinkist Premium membership if you head on over to Blinkist.com slash WGC. That's B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T dot com slash WGC for World's Greatest Con to get 25% off and a seven-day free trial. Blinkist.com slash WGC. This episode of World's Greatest Con is sponsored by Adam and Eve. They've been in the business of getting people down to business for 50 years. And finally, you can keep us in business by using promo code CON at checkout. You'll get 50% off one item plus free shipping in the U.S. and Canada. They have a no-hassle 90-day return policy, 24-7 customer service, and discreet shipping. If you like World's Greatest Con, help keep us growing and expanding by going to adamandeve.com. Promo code CON. Welcome back to the second part of tonight's Who Wants to Be a Millionaire this Tuesday night. Just before the break, uh, Major Charles Ingram here was on £16,000. Used a 50-50, Coldplay and Top Loader went. He then went for A1. Then because... I actually rather lost the plot of his thinking then, but basically because he reckons most of his guesses are 80% wrong, he changed his mind, knowing he'd lose £15,000 if he gave him the wrong answer, and went for Craig David, who he'd never heard of. You just won £32,000. <laughs> but all is not well backstage during the filming of this episode. Between Charles's erratic behavior and his overnight improvement in all things skill, knowledge, and luck, the production crew knows something's up. This episode isn't over, but already people are talking. The show's marketing director, Adrian Wolf, notices that something's off during the first question of the night, and by the time Charles has 32,000 pounds waiting for him, he's transfixed on a monitor. Gets worse. Diana's odd coughing was so weird, there are crew members asking during the commercial break if they can stop things down, rewind the tape while the show is still going on, an act that would likely require ceasing filming altogether. It's a no-go on that. And it continues with a question worth £64,000. Gentlemen versus Players was an annual match between amateurs and professionals of which sport? Lawn tennis, rugby union, polo, cricket. Now it's worth £64,000. Thankfully, this question moves away from pop culture altogether. Instead, it's a sports question. Something that can't possibly be worse for Charles than his attempt at pop music knowledge. I don't think it's rugby union. I don't think it's lawn tennis. Polo. No, I, I just don't recall any connection, but I've heard of it definitely, and but I don't have any connection with polo, so I'm, I think if I had to guess, and I can, I think can I'd take cricket. I'll go for cricket. Charles mentions it could be anything. He hovers around cricket, which produces coughs from Tequin on the sidelines. He works his way around the board, taking his time, reading out slowly. He apologizes to Chris for repeating his strategy, taking long pauses between each entry on the board. Finally, after a long walk around the board, he arrives back at... Cricket, cricket, final answer. You got £32,000, your wife came, 
and she won £32,000. You just won £64,000! Twice what your wife made on the game. Twice what your brother-in-law made in the game. Bragging rights at Christmas for the rest of your life and a sweet, sweet payday to boot. All with the world's dumbest code. Congratulations, you did it! Roll the end music because nobody ever caught him. Nobody ever found out. It was a miracle. The perfect crime. Congratulations. Oh, sorry. Uh, I thought we were in a different timeline for a second. We're in this timeline. The dumb timeline. The dumb timeline where he decides to make a spectacle of the whole thing, gets caught up in the moment, and actually makes a run for a million pounds. On national television, I cannot emphasize enough how dumb this plan is. Diana winces. She frowns. At one point, she covers her face with shame at the fact that Charles just keeps on going because he is delighted and really thinks he's fooling everyone. Right, have a look at this. What type of garment is an Anthony Eden? Overcoat. Hat. Shoe. Tie. So we're at question 13, and we hit our first serious snag. The question asks what an Anthony Eden is. Something Tequin Wittick once again doesn't know. But unlike earlier in the night, he turns to his fastest finger first neighbor to ask him the answer. What Tequin doesn't know is that the nearby sound monitors are about to pick up every word he says. And as soon as he knows the answer, he turns away at a full 90 degrees right towards the stage and coughs. I think it's a hat. I think. I mean, again, you know, I'm, I'm not sure. But Actually, he coughs three times. Sort of tall hats that sort of came into fashion, presumably when he was prime minister. <laughs> And as soon as the third cough is heard, Charles's answer is locked in. 250,000 pounds, a quarter of a million. And still, Charles can't walk away. Players in this heist are getting sloppier by the minute. Our host, Chris, keeps taking the physical checks for every level in Millionaire, rips them in half, and hands Charles a new one. Charles is now literally holding 250,000 pounds right there in the palm of his hand. And still, he can't walk away. Baron Hausmann is best known for his planning of which city? Rome, Paris, Berlin, Athens. I think it's Berlin. I think. What are you doing, Charlie? You got so nervous that you just blurted out the answer. That invalidates the whole strategy. I think it's Berlin has a level of confidence that Charles hasn't really shown since way back at question nine, when he was asked about cheese. But Charles still had a lifeline then. Plus, seems like the dude really loved eating cheese. It's more a German name than an Italian name. Parisian name and Athens name. And you would have thought if somebody is best known for something, you know, sort of likely to be at home. I'm really not sure. Um, oh, I'm never sure. I think it's Berlin restricts his ability to move around the board. He spoke too fast, too soon, and had too much swagger. Even trying to backstep by adding I think a beat later isn't good enough. Even Chris finds it odd. I think. (laughs) Charles, 10 minutes ago, you thought he was 81. (laughs) It almost seems like Charles knows he's backed into a corner. He's talking faster than ever, never giving Tequin a chance to cough. He hasn't really circled around the board to the other questions. He's giving no spaces left for an alert on which answer could be correct. 
I gotta pause here because if you've been listening, there is a big difference between day one Charles and day two Chuck. Day one Charles sounds like a military man who's been peer pressured into appearing on a game show. Day two Chuck, with all of his chattiness and running through all the answers with his wacky sub-strategy talk, sounds like Jack Black playing Forrest Gump. I'm sorry, I have to go back to how bad this code is. You see the flaw there. It's a basic tenet of misdirection that you don't do the big important action right where all the attention is. And the attention is always on the right answer. Why would you cough on the right answer? Especially when the powers that be are the ones re-watching the tape and they know the answers. This code sucks. And the part that drives me nuts is that it could have been almost indetectable. Remember, the code is very simple. Read each answer in order. They cough on the right answer. And the whole reading them in order part, Charles can't seem to pull off. He's too busy announcing that is definitely not the right answer. But let's imagine he can follow instructions. Simply by using what magicians call the one-ahead principle, they could have camouflaged this code and gotten away with the whole thing. Don't cough on the right answer, but make a pact that you're always going to cough on the next answer after the right one. This one change would have protected them on two levels. First off, people would be much less likely to have figured out the code, because again, it was a very obvious code. Second of all, In a court of law, if the producers went after them, which they did, this becomes a lot harder to prove because you have to prove that somehow people coughing during the wrong answers was a way to find out what the right answer is, which sounds bonkers. Might have even gotten them a win in court. But we don't live in that timeline. We live in this one where this happens. If I was at home, I'd be saying Berlin if I was watching this on TV. Um... It's worth 500,000 pounds. You dropped 218,000. You've got a quarter of a million. It's your call. Take as long as you need. Think it's Berlin. No. No. Whoa, 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 Stop. Nope. Rewind that. Think it's Berlin. Again, slow it down this time. I gotta savor this man coughing. No, this moment, the one that for my money is the single most shameful moment in game show con history. Stupid, <coughs> dumb. I can't believe what the hell are you doing? Could you even be why not just shout out? That's not the right answer. That's not the right answer. (laughs) You should choose number three. How dumb can you possibly be? Your code is stupid. The plan is stupid. You're leaving evidence all over the place. The sirens are on the horizon. And now you're literally shouting the answer during the show. You're wearing a microphone. People are watching you. And not just a few people. It's the most popular show in the world. What on earth is going on in that empty noggin that's managing to get answers right, but playing like a fourth grader? You would think that this would be enough to get Charles back on track here. Follow the code, make your way around the board, speak slowly, be unsure. And Charles does, to his credit, hear the no. He knows Berlin is wrong now, but he's been so certain up until this point. Certainly he won't... With the cough cutting him off mid-sentence, Charles knows what the right answer is. But he's also failed to give himself an alibi for switching from Berlin, which moments ago he was swearing up and down was the correct answer, to Paris, which he just said he didn't think was right. He regroups, he goes through the following two answers, circles back around to Paris, this time noting... I don't know, maybe there's a chance. 
Once again, Diana just looks towards Tequin in the fastest finger first area. Their plan is failing, but simultaneously, they're just too deep in. It's either Berlin or Paris. And I think it's Paris. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to play. I'm going to play. I'm going to play Paris. You were convinced it was Berlin. I know. I know. I, I think I was wrong. I'm going to go for Paris. Final answer. Final answer. You had £250,000. You did not need to play this question. You thought it was Berlin, Berlin, Berlin. You changed your mind to Paris. That brought you 500,000. Yes! Yes! Can I just calm down? Sit yourself down. Let's follow Charles's logic without the coughs. It's Berlin. It's absolutely Berlin. Couldn't be anything but Berlin. It's not Paris. It's not. Wait, maybe it is Paris. Uh, he thinks it's Berlin, but one more circle around and oh, yeah, nope, definitely Paris. Like the world's worst mentalist. Even as an outside observer, even if you remove the cough from the audio track together, this line of thinking makes absolutely no sense. Even Chris seems confused. And so Charles arrives at question 15. The million pound question. He does not have to play. He can absolutely walk away right now with more money than most people will see from years of work. He doesn't have to play. Chris, I'm going to play. No, I'm not. <laughs> yes, I am. Oh, yeah. I'm going to play. I am going to play. A number one followed by 100 zeros is known by what name? Google, Megatron, Gigabit, Nanomole. It's worth a million. Nowadays, 20 years later, this question reads insanely easy. Certainly easier than the last few in the run. It does help that Google, which took its name from the correct answer to this question, Google, is one of the world's largest companies now. Computers were, of course, popular in 2001, but these days every single person is online now and can piece together what a gigabit is. And of course, Megatron is a popular Transformers character. But in 2001, this is a much more difficult question. And it's one Charles struggles with right off the bat. Diana seems actually shocked that he's even going to play. Maybe it's anger or annoyance or frustration. Be honest, it's tough to tell. Behind the scenes, the mood is even more curious. Everybody's quiet. There's no emotion, no excitement. Nobody knows what's about to happen. Right off the bat, Charles thinks it's a nanomole. No, wait, a gigabit. He doesn't think it's a Megatron. And I have to say, I haven't... I don't think I've heard of a Google... And there it is. A cough worth one million pounds. There's a lot going on in the studio at this moment. Diana looks like she's freaking out. When Charles notes he's never even heard of a Google, despite just having said he thinks that's the answer, Chris notes that he has half a million pounds in his grasp and is going for the one he's never heard of? The audience chuckles. Diana does not. She's glaring at Tequin, ignoring everything else happening around her. Meanwhile, the production team on the floor, they seem perplexed. Even those who haven't noticed the coughs, the odd answer patterns, they feel like Charles just seems too relaxed considering his placement in the game. He's close to being the third person ever to win a million pounds on this show and he's answering this like it's the thousand pound question. Charles checks the answer again before saying he'll play. He seeks a fourth cough. 
to which Diana visibly says on screen, oh, God damn it. I mean, I guess it's not a mystery anymore, right? And she's mad. After locking in the answer, the show cuts to a break. Behind the scenes, all hell breaks loose. Paul Smith, the head of Celador, the production company behind Millionaire at the time, is contacted to see if filming should be ceased right then and there because of the suspicions of cheating. He tells them gut instinct isn't enough to cancel a show, so it has to go ahead. Chris Tarrant will have to award the million pound prize. There's no other option for now. Major Charles Ingram came on tonight with just £4,000. He only had one lifeline left. He got up to £500,000. Charles, give me that check. £500,000. <laughs> you no longer have that. You've just won one million! As the couple leaves the stage, they're stopped by a member of the production team who takes the check back and requests to frisk the couple, a command ordered by higher-up members of the crew. Finding nothing on either person, they're led back to the dressing room and left alone. A beer and cigar are fetched for the major in celebration. After all, he did just, air quotes, win a million pounds. On stage, Tequan Wittick takes a go at being the next champion of the show he leaves with just 1,000 pounds, a pitiful showing. When he does get on camera, his cough has miraculously disappeared. The production staff figure out they have exactly eight days to prove their suspicions before the check clears right into the Ingrams' bank account, and they don't want to waste any time. While Charles returns to work the next day, the press accidentally finds out about the secret winner well before its planned broadcast. Celador's sound engineer plans to meet with Paul Smith to determine whether or not the coughs were a sign of cheating. Very quickly, Smith comes to the quiet conclusion that yes, indeed, his show had been robbed. In that eight-day span, the Ingrams discovered that the broadcast of the show had been delayed, a fact that the couple owes to the aftermath of 9-11 and the feeling that a celebration would just be a bad look. A day later, Charles learns from Diana while he's at work that Paul Smith had called looking to speak with him. When she calls him back at his work, this is what happened. I have to tell you that, that we have suspicions from viewing the recording of last Monday's uh, program and subsequently studying the tapes carefully that there were irregularities during the taping of the show in which you participated. Oh, good Lord, no. Because of that, I have to tell you that these suspicions have been referred to the police. Right. And thus, we, for not for the moment, will be airing the program or indeed authorizing payment of the check. Right. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I completely refute that, obviously. Um, good Lord, I'm going to go back. All right, well, thanks for letting me know. Okay, thank you. Mm, cheers, bye. And with that single phone call, it's over. The fame, the book deal, the million-pound check, everything is gone. Charles will later issue a public statement much stronger than the one he gives on the phone, in which he claims he sounded odd because he placed the call while around his co-workers. Doesn't matter. In the court of public opinion, Charles and Diana Ingram are found guilty long before they ever enter a courtroom. Oh, but that doesn't mean that they don't actually end up going to a courtroom. In April 2003, a fraud case is heard in which the couple is found guilty of cheating on the show. Despite all of their best efforts, they're sentenced to an 18-month suspended sentence while Tequin Wittick receives his own 12-month suspended sentence. In August, Charles is asked by the British military to resign and give up his rank of major. She does. To this day, it's disputed whether or not this counts as a dishonorable discharge. No matter how confident a con is, sometimes it's simply too outrageous to pass by dozens of victims without a single raised eyebrow. 
You can nod and smile with one, two people, but the moment a room is filled with cameras and microphones and producers and the promise of major money, once all of that is involved, confidence can only take you so far. At a certain point, you can't fake it anymore. You either have to make it happen or you sink with the ship. But when it comes to confidence, and I do mean only confidence, this may be the world's greatest con. This episode of World's Greatest Con was written by Will Saddleberg and me, Brian Brushwood, your humble host. Production and research by Dog and Pony Show Audio in Austin, Texas. Credit to Bad Show, The Quiz, The Cough, The Millionaire Major by Bob Whiffenden and James Plaskett, as well as ITC's Major Fraud, the Charles Ingram documentary which, along with other contemporary news articles, retrospectives, and archived video, made for the bulk of our research. Additional research by Rachel Oppenheimer. Of course, you guys have questions, and we want to answer all of them at the end of the season, so get yours in by hitting us up at worldsgreatestcon at gmail.com. What if you didn't need to convince anyone of anything? What if you went on TV, played a straight game with no cheating, no lying, no conniving, and you won a decent chunk of change? Would you walk away into the forgotten history of daytime TV? Or would a single person recognizing your face be enough to send you running through the halls for your own freedom? That's next time on World's Greatest Con. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Dog and Pony Show Audio. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag? Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.